Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Have you had any conversation with Robert Kraft this week about your future with the team? Yeah, I'm looking forward to working, getting ready for the Jets here. Now get ready for that meeting. It's happening on Monday, according to Mike Reese and Jordan Schultz. Uh, Bill and Kraft are going to sit down, discuss his future. I think if you've been paying attention, you know where this is going. And if you've been paying attention, I think you had a pretty good idea some of the dysfunction within the team this season. And Andrew Callahan and Doug Kide laid that bear in the Boston Herald earlier today. We're going to talk to Andrew Callahan less than a half an hour from now at 4.30. So we'll hear from one of the authors of the story about the Patriots hitting rock bottom. New, newfound rock bottom, Mego, because we thought last year was rock bottom. No, no, no. Turns out that was a debacle, small d. This is a debacle, all caps, and big D. It's a it's all it's big D, giant D. And we'll get Callahan's thoughts on it. What do you think he's going to give up some sources, Mego? Yeah, I think he's going to give up all the over a dozen people who he spoke to. Good. Which again, Look, I have talk, to say, he talked that to over a dozen. So many people is to it? talk to around the team. Is yes, it? that's I mean, a lot. I'm asking genuinely. Is a, that? Yes, a lot of these stories roll out with like three or four sources. Yeah. This is four times that. If I had one, I would feel so fortunate, Arkin. If I had one <laughs> source, I would feel so fortunate. We all have one source. Do we? Yeah, the lady at the gate. <laughs> she tells talking about Martha. Oh, my Martha, girl, yeah. my, no, my girl Martha is no longer a source. Uh, my, my girl Martha does no no talking to me anymore. I, I, w- I roll my window down. I wave every time. No no more discussions between me and Martha. I don't think she miss, misses Patriots Monday whatsoever. Uh, that's true. That was my source. I've given it up. We'll see if Callahan will trade. He's got over a dozen sources, Mega. We won't give up one. Give us one. Just a, just a little There's one. There's one. Just, we still have 11 left. A little minnow of a fish. We don't need a, yeah, we don't need a big one. By the way, more than a dozen means 13, right? Yeah, a baker's, a baker's dozen. dozen right? Yeah, right. I mean, that'd that, be a weird word to, that, way to phrase it. No, though. I'm saying, but I just—it's not like it, the Boston sources. Herald talked to a baker's dozen my of sources. Po- my point is, it's not like it's 15. It's like 13, right? More than a dozen makes it. It could be 20. It could be 14. No, it could, but it's probably 13. Uh, so anyway, here's the latest in the Herald. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, and we'll get back into our big question of the day. All your phone calls six one seven. Shout out to the Herald. Good job, guys. Well, honestly, they, like they beat the crap out of the globe on these stories. Uh, seriously. Andrew Callahan and Karen Garigian late last year, uh, right after the season was over, they had the big takeout on the Patriots. Bill effed us. That comment from, was it someone on the offense? I forget exactly who it was attributed to. A Patriots player. Um, They had the takeout a couple of months ago on the quarterbacks with the Patriots and their small analytics staff and the downfall of Mac and blah, blah, blah. And now this one. So the Herald runs circles around the globe 
uh, on stories like this. So good for them. Uh, and we'll get back into your phone calls as well. 617-779-7937 and hour number three of Jones and Mego with Arcan. Again, we'll talk to Callahan about 25 minutes from now. Uh, the Herald interviewed more than a dozen team sources who spoke on the condition of anonymity for fear of retribution from the Patriots, which I take to mean as Bill Belichick, which tells you a lot about the sourcing, I think. You know, players, coaches, maybe it rises higher than that, but I'd guess the majority of them say, we still fear Bill Belichick, is what that line says to me. Maybe I'm wrong. They paint scenes of a new offensive coordinator unsure of his assistance, a quarterback's room filled with tense radio silence, an offensive lineman unofficially working as a coach to round out a shorthanded coaching staff. I think that's the second year in a row that's happened, by the way. This year, it's um, James Ferentz. Wasn't last year David Andrews kind of doing some he of that early in the year? Yeah. It's like that's the second yeah, yeah. year in a row that's happened. Another veteran proclaiming, and I'll give you a million guesses who this would possibly be. With four games left, he would play for another team next season. Trent Brown. <laughs> this was messed up from the beginning, a locker room source said. Another added, nothing like I expected. Not at all. A year ago, such a disaster caused Kraft to push for coaching changes. Kraft to push for coaching changes which led to the rehiring of ex-Patriots assistant Bill O'Brien last January. Belichick, according to sources, preferred to keep Patricia and grow together. Instead, Belichick relented, and O'Brien returned as offensive coordinator. So we can get into more details uh, over the course of the hour and the rest of the show. And we've hit on a lot of these in the first two hours of the show. But I got to be honest, I don't necessarily think Bill was wrong to want to do that. Like I do. (laughs) Compared to O'Brien, I don't don't think he was wrong. I mean, proof is in the, the pudding. It's worse this year. I yeah. agree with you on that. Okay. And I, look, and I'm not saying he couldn't have brought in any other offensive coordinator. If he went outside of his comfort zone and Kraft was willing to demand he go outside his comfort zone. And now it's not just Bill O'Brien or somebody who used to work for Bill or somebody with ties to Bill. Could you have done better? Sure. But the offense was better a year ago. and But it was still really bad. No, it was really bad, but it wasn't this bad. And it might have got better in year two. Like, Arkan, you cried about this a bunch. Three offensive coordinators in three years. Yeah. So... Was there something to be said for... Well, two-and-one defensive court. <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, was there something to be said for starting at a higher point with iffy coaching? Sure. I just think that that's going back to it, putting continuity over trying to correct a mistake. And I think that the issues around this offense and predominantly around the offensive line and the talent that you kept bringing in were so bad that it just compounded the issue of bringing in yet another offensive coordinator, which was a real, real concern that we've now seen out through Mac Jones. And I would throw Bailey Zappi in there, too. I'm sure it hasn't helped him to go through another offensive coordinator. But at the same time, it's like, okay, don't put Matt Patricia in charge of it in the first place. So if I'm going to go, if we're going back in time, if we're getting in a time machine and saying, let's keep Matt Patricia for a second year, I'd go back to when Josh McDaniels was departing and say, let's bring in a real offensive coordinator who maybe has some good ideas before they get plucked up by some Miami or somewhere else where they have good players. Yeah, so to me, like... I don't think Bill should be able to go in there and save his job by saying, well, Robert, you wanted Bill O'Brien. But that sounds like that's going to be his plan. And hopefully Robert doesn't fall for it. Uh, Other details in the story, and we can read into it uh, in more detail coming up. Uh, But these are all good. Uh, Belichick preferred to keep Patricia and grow together, as we just said. Uh, Bill denied O'Brien any opportunity to build out his own coaching staff, which was an insane request, by the way, from Bill O'Brien. Offensive line coach Adrian Clem confronted Matt Groh at one point about the personnel. The personnel department was arguing with the coaching staff. 
Adrian Clem. Adrian Clem was arguing right back, saying, well, the players you gave us stink. And that's Adrian Clem, who couldn't make it through one year in Pittsburgh and won't make it through a full year in New England. I hope that that was happening right next to the locker room right. while the players are just, like, changing. It, quote-unquote, reverberated <laughs> through the organization. Uh, Mac Jones lost the locker room after the New Orleans game. Uh, Jack Jones blew up on position coach Mike Pellegrino at halftime of the game in Germany after he was benched for missing curfew. After he brought guns to Logan, like the guy on the thinnest of thin ice is screaming at a coach in Germany and getting cut days later. And then you have Trent Brown openly telling the team after their first win in forever against Pittsburgh on national TV with Bailey Zappi, good vibes all around, comes in and after the game is talking about how he can't wait to leave for a team in the NFC. <laughs> so all that's in the story. We'll talk to Callahan about it coming up. We'll get into our big question of the day. But Paul, Together, as we just said, Paul Rhode uh, Island, hello. Denied O'Brien any opportunity to build out his own coaching staff, which was an insane request. Okay, we're going to put Paul O'Brien, uh, Paul, back on hold there. Um, I think he but was it, he was liking you though. Well, it's it's it was an insane request though. I agree. Do you agree with that on Bill O'Brien building out his own coaching staff is an insane request? Insane? No. I would. Yes. I think insane is too strong. I also think clean house is too strong. If that's what he wanted to do, if he was coming in and he's saying everybody's got to go, and I'm pick I'm hand picking my entire staff, I don't think that a lot of coordinators have that much power. Yeah, who gets that kind of power, Arkin? Uh, I don't know exactly which coordinators get that. I could you have to ask them. But I think that for him to come in here, the coach picks when the his job staff. is being told, "Hey, listen, we had a real bad thing with uh, with the offense last year. We need some help. We need you to come in here." And he says, "Okay, well, can I bring in some of my guys?" And they say, "No, you can't. You have to do it all with our guys." That's, I mean, that's not insane either. But that's not exactly an ideal situation for a coordinator to come into. Yeah. And by the way, I also reject the idea that another year of Matt Patricia would have improved things. That he would have gotten better after a year uh, of Matt Patricia. Okay. I think if Patricia was a coordinator this year they could have crashed and burned just as bad maybe maybe uh when did they, anything ever get better with matt patricia well, it, was be- it was literally better last year than this year so i don't know i mean I, I, okay but it was worse from the year before i guess so sure matt jo- mac jones regressed with matt patricia didn't he yeah he regressed even more with bill o'brien sure and the lions when patricia was the coach there got worse and worse each year nothing ever gets better with matt patricia i guess is my okay point. but like again the, it got what worse about defense? Philadelphia? I mean, oh. on, yeah. like uh, like uh, like our kid it, you just you can't I, I can't prove it, but no, I, no one can prove it. It's hypothetical. I'm right, just saying. But, but you're saying you reject it. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Last year was better than this. As dysfunctional as we thought. That's the whole point of this story from Callahan and Kite. They're like, if you thought last year was bad, you had no idea what you were in store for. They made it worse, and they, by the way, that means Kraft. Kraft made it worse, and even if you like Bill O'Brien better than Patricia, Kraft doing the half measure. This is what Curran said earlier this hour. Kraft measure. Wouldn't fully rip off the bit. Was too afraid to do what was right. What was right was to fire Bill. And he was too afraid to do it. So he said, well, I'm going to give Bill some help. And that's created mass division within the team. Front office to coaching staff. Coaches warring with one another. Players warring with coaches. Players probably warring with players. As we know, a bunch of them abandoned Mac Jones. So like divisions within the locker room, of course. On a bad team, you're going to get that. And it all started with Kraft's decision to meddle. And not just do what was right and rip the Band-Aid off. I mean, go back. A lot of people are like, I saw Cadlick tweeting about this. Oh, it says it all that Bill wanted to stick with Patricia. Well, Robert was too afraid to do the right thing. That's why you're here. So will he do the right thing this go-round? See, when you uh, infer from Tom Curran that the just lifting a piece of the bandit and not ripping it off was going to get Bill O'Brien instead of firing Bill then or just trading him or whatever, I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily what that what that. What do you meant. think he meant? 
Maybe it's going out and getting somebody totally outside of Bill's circle, having a good faith search for an offensive coordinator instead of just bringing in Bill O'Brien, making one phone call and a Zoom interview and bringing him in. Or maybe it was, hey, taking some, saying, Bill, we're taking the draft away from you. You don't go to the combine. We're taking personnel control are, away from those you. Those are half measures. That's what Curran's saying. He's like, if, if they're going to strip more of Bill's power, that's another half measure like they did last year. Those are all half measures. Taking away his personnel, it's all, it's all just... If you're reducing Bill's power, what do you need him for? You know, to be the coach. I know, but I but he's a coach of a four win team. But maybe with different talent. I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, maybe. for what it could mean. Maybe I, if he's coaching guys, he doesn't want to coach. <laughs> right? You think that'll make it better? Like I just I don't I don't know. I mean, right? The pl- well, if the alternative is he wants to coach Trent Brown, I don't think that that's like it's so much better. Yeah, no, so, it isn't. But I'm saying like yeah, the so dynamic on the field, and like this is dysfunctional. These are guys that he wants, and this is dysfunctional. Imagine if he has a roster full of guys he doesn't like. Look, uh, maybe, they'll probably be good at football. Maybe I'm misinterpreting Tom. It's possible. Wouldn't be the first time. But uh, when when we're talking about half measures and taking away things on the margins from Bill, just move, just do the right thing and move on. Stop taking away little parts of his power and move on. It's done. 617-779-7937. We're going to talk to Andrew Callahan coming up, the author of this story, one of the authors of this story in the Boston Herald. Uh, I do want to get into whether or not Bill should lose his job over this, how it all ties into the game, the atmosphere on Sunday. We'll get to that with all your phone calls right after Trending with RK. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart cart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. This is Jones and Mako with RK. All right, ladies and jelly spoons. Jelly spoons? Yeah, that's right. That RK makes is this like, show oh. sounds so young and cool. It does. We're the oldest, lamest, young hit show ever. On WEEI. Team owner Robert Kraft, team president Jonathan Kraft have a meeting with Bill Belichick. This currently scheduled for Monday. And they're going to be looking for some answers as to why things have fallen off so dramatically this season. Robert Kraft has been very disappointed with the way this season has unfolded naturally. And people that are close to him relay to me that that disappointment has been so extreme to the point that he has strongly considered moving on from Belichick but these people also tell me, Greeny, that no decision has been made at this point, And that's why this final meeting will be so important. 
this song. Oh, yeah? I got five on it. This is a great song. I didn't realize this was, uh, I knew this was Arkan's side of the street. I didn't realize this was Mego's side of the street here. This came out before Mego was born. Yeah, seriously. I'm an onion with many layers and an appreciation right. for music. When did this song came out? Loves, 1995. Loves, loves okay, this song. I was, I was well alive. Loves this song, yet also loves to watch Steamboat Willie, as we found out yesterday. Mega was in high school. I dance like Steamboat Willie. To this song. Uh, we'll talk to Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. He joins us about 10 minutes from now. Copyright's up. You can do that now. Uh, yes, as we discussed yesterday. Uh, Andrew Callahan again of the Herald joins us in 10 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on... Oh, no. He just texted me that he canceled after watching me do that. I, I wouldn't blame him. No, he'll be here. We'll get his thoughts on the dysfunction within the Patriots, which is significant. And that meeting on Monday, I'm curious if Callahan has anything on that. I just... The only thing that makes sense about why they haven't met yet, it's crazy they haven't met yet. The only thing that makes sense, and Mego, you brought this up from time to time. Avoidance? I, no. Well, I mean, I guess there's that. that. That would just be really, really royally screwing things up or being afraid of Bill or whatever. And I, look, Robert might be afraid of Bill. The only thing that really makes sense is they say, well, we, got, we have Gerard Mayo anyway. Gerard Mayo's here. What's the rush with Bill? We're, we're not, we're not going to look at your guy, Frank Smith, or... Bobby Slowick or any of these other guys out there, Ben Johnson in Detroit. We're not interviewing them anyway. We're just going to go to Gerard Mayo. To which I would say, boy, that sounds familiar. Isn't that exactly how you found your offensive coordinator last year? So that might make sense that that's how Kraft is going to approach it. I just think that would be so wrong. I think that would be such a failure on their part to say, well, let's listen to Bill. Let's hear Bill out. Maybe if he gives us a magic answer, he'll survive. If not, Gerard's the next guy. What's the magic answer, though? I don't look. I don't really think there is one. But we've we've. What do you mean? What is it? We've spitballed a million different I times. I know, this but week. none of them convince me. Okay, me either. But I, I'm not Robert Kraft, so maybe he hears something I didn't expect to hear. Maybe Bill goes in hat in hand. Arkan asked the question to Curran. Curran liked the question. He did. Which from Arkan? Which from Arkan is so rare. And he hates when I speak. He usually does yeah. not typically yeah. enjoy that. Yes, and so. Arkan turned all red, and he had this little smile on his face. It's it yeah, it's like when, my foot. It's know? like when Bailey Zappi drops <laughs> oh, a ma'am. It's, it's like when Bailey Zappi drops a ma'am on. Do you Mego. think I got my less ma- my last ma'am from Bailey Zappi? Probably. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, if they draft a quarterback, yeah, you're you're in trouble. I wish I knew your ma'am days are numbered. So Drake May's a Southern guy. He may be. He uh, may that's, be a, that's true. A you got your last one from yeah. uh, Mammer. <laughs> That's that's my Instagram algorithm. <laughs> Bunch of big mammers. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> big mammers. Yeah, your last one from Zappy. I don't know about your last one in general. But, um, no, Arkan asked the question, like, is Kraft going to dictate terms to him? And then Bill's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Or does Kraft catch him off guard? Like, maybe there's a magic answer. I have no idea. There shouldn't be. And furthermore... If they're going to move on, they they better do a real search, not a sham of a search where, oh, yeah, Keenan McCardell and, oh, yeah, sure, Adrian Clem, come in and talk about the job. Who are some of the other? Did Troy Brown get to interview for it? I forget. Who are the other names? They're in the story. But it was a joke. It was a sham. They knew what they were going to do. And if they're doing the same thing with Mayo again and they've learned nothing from a year ago, that would that would be, I was about to say shocking. It wouldn't be shocking. It would just be so disappointing. 
It's a missed opportunity because even with somebody like Frank Smith, you could get some intel on how the Dolphins built things out and run things. that too. You know, like, why not? I know you have a lot of things to do this offseason, but that kind of stuff is pretty important too. And, uh, okay, I know we've talked about this before. With the Rooney rule, they still will need to open it up to interviews, right? but they'll do a fake one, yeah. Okay. Well, even if you do a fake one, like maybe somebody comes in and you bring someone in well, from the outside the mo- who has who actually that's surprises the most you. insulting thing. So you're going to bring in a minority candidate from another no, no, organization no, 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 no. just as, saying, as a as a happy fake. <gasps> yeah, right. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. Of course, I don't want them to bring in a, somebody that they're not actually considering. But okay, but if you already made up your mind, you're not considering anybody else. You're just you're just going through the motions. Well, it really sounds like the crafts don't make up their mind and stick to it, or they're afraid to move forward <laughs> with it. Po- that's so a good point. you know, they could be swayed. It's a good point i just i i would hope that's not how they're operating but that that's the only thing i can really come up with that makes sense where they're dragging their feet on the bill announcement that seems to be i think fairly obvious uh so a few other details here in the story if you missed it earlier today from andrew callahan and doug kide uh under the subheading repeating the past i like this Days after the Patriots announced the opening of an offensive coordinator's search last January, it became clear Belichick had no intention of running the search in good faith, as we were just discussing. O'Brien was the only candidate of the five that were interviewed with any coordinator experience. Adrian Clem was one of them. According to league sources, some assistants came to believe O'Brien wanted to clean house and build out his own offensive staff after arriving in January. Bill denied him. And I, Arkan and I already talked about this earlier this hour. I think Bill's right to do that. Belichick allowed him one hire, Will Lawing, who the media has ignored all year, right, Ryan? Like, they've had plenty of opportunity to talk to him. He barely gets asked a question, ever. He just sits there uncomfortably on a WebEx meeting. Okay, guys, show of hands. No? No questions. And, no he questions. and then he just leaves. He's like scowl after the championship. I feel like, nobody, nobody <laughs> asks him any questions. And so, In 10 years, I'll tell everybody <laughs> I was the architect of the greatest dynasty of all time. He replaced Nick Cayley. That's it. Quote, the staff dynamic is completely effed. A team source said O'Brien's frustration with the wide receivers and offensive line coaches began bubbling over as soon as late spring. So it's like O'Brien wanted a new O-line coach and maybe not Clem. O'Brien wanted a new wide receivers coach. Maybe not Troy uh, Troy Brown. Maybe not uh, Ross Douglas. Okay. So Ross Douglas is gone. Troy Brown's probably on the way out. Adrian Clem is definitely on the way out as reported in the story. He likely won't be re-upped after this year. Members of the front office shared O'Brien's frustration with the lack of development as the season wore on. So who are they talking about? Tyquan Thornton at wide receiver? Are they talking about Cole Strange on the offensive line? Like, the front office looks at it and goes, yeah, we got you good young players. What are you doing with them? And then some of the coaches challenged them back. Good. (laughs) Including Adrian Clem. Quote, it's a lot of bad crap, another team source said. It's bad coaching. Outside of the front office, a few staffers privately pointed fingers back at the decision makers about the talent available. Not Adrian Clem, though, because he was not private about it. He confronted Director of Player Personnel Matt Groh early in the season in a loud exchange that reverberated through the organization. Clem, according to sources, didn't feel heard, (laughs) while some offensive veterans didn't believe their eyes. Ryan, you asked a good question in the uh, Slack channel. When did this uh, happen? It says early in the season. When did this happen? That's what I'm wondering is, you know, it was around week 10. I think it was early November uh, that 
Adrian Clem wasn't available like all the other coaches were, and we found out he was taking a medical leave. And I we still don't have like a lot of details on that. I'm not saying we absolutely should, but I think it's an interesting correlation that Adrian Clem is openly questioning front office members like Matt Groh being like, what the hell are we doing here? And he's gone. We have not heard from him since. And Adrian Clem got fired before he got through year one in Pittsburgh. Yep. So, like, look, I, I don't think he was given great talent either on the offensive line. I have tape, by the way, of that Adrian Clem fight. All right, shut up! <laughs> Jesus, Jesus! <laughs> I knew uh, I liked that guy. <laughs> uh, okay, so Belichick and Grow. Belichick agreed with Matt Grow uh, that the best available tackles in free agency in the draft had been overrated. That's according to one source. We didn't invest in the offensive line until the fourth round and didn't take a receiver until the sixth, the third source said. How do we spend the first three picks on defense when tackle was the biggest problem? Five tackles went in the first round, by the way. On the All team five last were overrated, year. really? It's just, you know, it's Bill thinking he knows more than everybody else. And I wouldn't prioritize tackle over wide receiver or quarterback, but they did, uh, meaning people within the team. I know you guys all felt that way. They shouldn't have been drafting three guys on defense. And that's another thing that we could see in real time, and we felt in real time. Uh, Steve is in Centerville. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I'm wondering if you guys could just cover a little bit of ground in terms of what we know regarding uh, some of the strategic decisions made by the Patriots over the last couple of years that weren't led by Bill Belichick. So whether it's coaching moves or whether it's you know bringing in personnel for yeah, the draft. Steve, I think we definitively know two. Gerard Mayo anointed as the heir apparent and Bill O'Brien now definitively from this story. I felt this way all along, but we now know. Bill O'Brien was brought in by Kraft, not by Belichick. So those are two. If you want to surmise that Mac is another one, maybe. But th- those are two easy ones that we now know. Would you agree, going back to all of your quarterback woes, Jimmy Garoppolo being sent out was I mean, that, a Kraft decision? That's what I think. He said in recent years, so maybe that's going back a little further, but I believe that. I think Belichick, if he wasn't told point blank, he saw the writing on the wall and said, oh, we're sticking with Brady? That means Garoppolo's going to go, so i got to trade him away. Yes. I've seen this a couple times on the text line over here, and there is a faction of fans out there that are saying, well, Bill, hasn't. how many of these players are the players that Bill wants to coach? To which I find really bizarre, because I know that some people have said that about the Mac Jones pick in particular. Okay, Bill was directed that he needed to take a quarterback in that draft, and Mac's who was available, but it's like... To me, that is such a cop-out if you believe that. He's the GM. He's in charge of personnel. Well, yeah, I mean, the owner ultimately runs everything. So the quarterback one gets a bit complicated, but but in general, I'd agree with you there. Uh, but one of the authors of today's story in the Boston Herald, if you haven't read it yet, you should. We've been reading from it all day long here on Jones and Mego with Arcan. It's Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald. He joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Andrew, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. You got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Happy New Year, understanding that Larry David outlawed that wish. Uh, uh, yesterday, you get three days, but I've not seen anyone, so I want to say Happy New Year. Okay, well, Happy New Year to you. I wished uh, Tommy Curran a Happy New Year earlier today, and he, uh, he shot it down. He it was want. a major faux pas, and we were all very embarrassed. Yeah, it was, it was a social faux pas, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's Tommy Curran for you. Yeah, so uh, lots, of, uh, lots of social faux pas, uh, among others, being committed uh, by the Patriots. You wrote about the dysfunction, uh, I would say top to bottom, but... It really did focus on the coaching staff. It really did go back to, well, Bill Belichick, in essence, being forced to move on from his guy, Matt Patricia, replace him with Bill O'Brien. Um, why Why was that sort of the, the first domino in a disaster of a season for the Patriots? 
Well, because, again, the whole story here is put up against the backdrop of last season. Or if you go back to your shows, you go to my articles or podcasts or whatever, we're all saying, oh, my God, this is the worst offense of the Bill Belichick era. They go 8-9. They missed the playoffs. Two losing seasons in three years. Fast forward, of course. No, no, no. This is the worst offense, not only in the Bill Belichick era, but in the NFL right now. This is now three losing seasons in four years. And so we go, well, how the heck did this happen? And the big change, the first change, was Matt Patricia going out, Joe Judge getting reassigned, and Bill O'Brien brought in. Then everything else stems from that. This is not a simple answer about why everything went wrong or who is most at fault. But when you look at the main characters in the story, obviously it's Bill, meaning Belichick, then O'Brien, and then you go on from there. Andrew, when you, you guys dove pretty deep into the offensive line situation, what do you think is the bigger issue that we saw there? Was it the coaching and the techniques that changed partway through the year, or was it just the lack of talent on in that unit? I think it's a lack of talent because you still have players like David Andrews, Mike Unwayo functioning at a high level, uh, Trent Brown there for a time, regardless of whether the techniques were those taught basically in the first half of the season when Clem was the coach or in the second half when it was this combination of Bill Belichick, Billy Yates, and then James Farron stepping up um, to fill a role that he's not really suited for. And so I think you just look at that week one starting lineup. You have two rookies at guard. Part of this is due to health. Calvin Anderson, who didn't practice at all, but also wasn't ever a starter in his career prior to signing here. And Riley Reef, who someone had told me, like, he got benched after two non-padded practices in training camp because Josh Uche would beat him nine out of ten times in the one-on-one, and the tenth would probably be a tie. And so those aren't issues if it's a different player at tackle. Even if they're hurt, you just say, okay, when Orlando Brown comes back, He's the guy. He's the starter. So it's not just injuries. I think it really was the the talent. So, Andrew, last year you and Karen wrote your sort of year-end treatise about what happened and how it all sort of broke down. And this year it was an in-season one. But I guess the question is, uh, based on sort of the way, and I thought there were a lot of similarities really in, uh, in this year and last year in the offensive problems, when you're talking to these people, is it, is it different this year? Is it sort of more mounting frustration, or was it sort of new, fresh problems that everyone was having? I would say fresh problems. You just kind of shuffled the deck chairs around, understanding, look, we heard all throughout the spring and summer, and I echoed this too. Again, go back to my hits in the summer or whatever, just saying this will be an 8, 9, maybe 10-win team. Players are excited about Bill O'Brien. There's organization here. There's structure. There's a why that Mac Jones had wanted all of last year from Matt Patricia. Why are we doing this? How does this make sense? And so when I talk to people, look, like the genesis of this was the worst loss of Belichick's tenure in Dallas, followed by the worst shutout in Patriots history against New Orleans. Like that's when things changed and everyone just said the season's basically over. Um, and there was a universal agreement on that, but a couple people felt that way, including Devin McCourty. And so I just started asking, okay, why? How did this get here? What happened? And that's when you start to get answers when we started pulling at the string and everything else followed that over the rest of the year. Okay, so, so Andrew, you and Doug did a great job taking us inside on some of the dysfunction that I think we could feel from the outside, but, but you had some great details uh, within the story. Uh, two interactions I think really jumped out. What can you tell us about, uh, well, the, the shouting match between Jack Jones, maybe it was one-sided, and Mike Pellegrino in Germany, and more specifically, Adrian Clem and Matt Groh early in the season? So, yeah, and and you guys have both mentioned this so far, and I want to shout out Doug and Karen because I was incredibly lucky, and Meggo can speak to this from her time at the Herald, getting to learn under Karen, work with her, and then losing a local legend like her and being able to replace her with Doug. This story is not possible without either of them. I'm incredibly fortunate 
to be able to work with them, brainstorm, and then share sources. And so when we heard about these instances, um, you know, the Jack Jones one obviously came out after he was cut because, you know, Doug had heard he was kind of immature there. They couldn't get him on board. And then I started asking around, and that's what came back to me. It was at halftime. He was upset about not starting for a second straight week. He felt he was better than the players who had started. And, yet his play didn't reflect that. So they couldn't even get him an agreement about – hey, you're giving up multiple catches every game and you're playing in a limited role. What do you mean you're better? Like, show us you're better. And he couldn't do that. Mind you, also, after blowing the coverage at the end of the Dolphins game in Miami where they lost in that touchdown, that was on Jack Jones. As for Adrian Clem and Matt Groh, my understanding is that, you know, that was a blow-up that really, you know, everyone heard, front office, coaching staff. And Clem just felt like he wasn't heard. And part of this was due to the athleticism of the tackles. And you look at their players, like, you know, Tyrone Wheatley Jr. hasn't played, but like that dude does not lack for athleticism. The issue was he felt he was giving a lot of input. It wasn't being heard. And so when he has to roll with these day three rookies in week one and two, and everyone's going, oh, the offensive line stinks. It's Adrian Clem's fault. He's like, well, what have I been given? How much time do I have? And when I do have input, it's not being heard with the front office. So it sounds like there is t- so much division among the coaches, the front office, obvious dysfunction, according to your reporting. I'm wondering, do you feel like throughout the season that some of Bill O'Brien's ability to connect with the offense, and I'm not trying to let him off the hook for an ineffective offense, but do you feel like his voice was able to get through to the offense or what exactly went wrong there from his coaching perspective? I do because honestly, Mego, from more people I talked to, you know, there was a real shift from the types of meetings that were held last year and sometimes even under Josh McDaniels to those held this year. And it was because his voice was the only one really being heard in these meetings where like, if you imagine holding a pre-show meetings, but it's not just the three of you and maybe the producers, you're also going to include Gresham Fourier and then the guys in the morning with Courtney. Like, not all of you need to be there because you're talking about different shows. That was the offensive line. Those were the receivers. That was the running backs and quarterbacks hearing Bill O'Brien go about every single thing about the offense when it didn't pertain to them and because they didn't hold as many positional meetings because my sense of what I was told is that he just didn't trust the assistants with whom he was working. And that was a big issue. So, in that, you have guys like Dan Orlovsky. You can go back late November. You guys talked to him. He's like, the details in this offense stink. This is the worst I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, because guys are That's zoning why. out. Because <laughs> it's not right. about there, their there's, unit. There's these big meetings. That And that's it. They're, you don't break out. You don't work on the finer details or have the time to because he's the one who only feels like. And honestly, I think he's probably right to feel this way when you look at some of the guys on staff and they're inexperienced. Guys who played defense in college six years ago, now leading positions at running back and receiver, and go, I'm much better at this. I might as well do it all myself. Andrew, the uh, the tension between O'Brien and Belichick when O'Brien was first hired, I thought you detailed very well, uh, especially when it came to the uh, the personnel and the assistants. Um, Belichick clearly wasn't about you know letting Bill uh, letting O'Brien clean house. Was that something that kind of over the course of the season did that kick upstairs? Was that sort of a, a lingering problem all year? So the tricky part was I know for a fact there are people on staff who understand that when Bill O'Brien got here in January. He did want a clean house. That's what they believed. I couldn't confirm it for myself. Like, there's a distinction between what people believe and what actually happened. Now, I think it is important that people on staff working around or perhaps under Bill O'Brien felt that way. Like, if you understood that the guy who you're reporting to might have wanted to fire you and you still have to go through the season and the grind at 16-hour days, it's going to make you feel a little bit differently. Um, but I don't know that for a fact. So we, we cited that in the story. As far as between Belichick and O'Brien, 
you know, I, I think Bill O'Brien was allowed to handle the offense like Josh McDaniels did, where it's like, hey, you're the head coach of the offense. I'm going to come in and have my say. I'm going to tell you how I want to handle and manage this game in staff meetings, and then you go from there. But Belichick did have more say as the season went on because he had to step in and take over part of the offensive line room. He wasn't running all the meetings and certainly not running any drills, but he had more input there. It was part of that necessity. Then you lose Ross Douglas, who just goes to Syracuse for the same title in the middle of a year. And I think they just kind of realized we're trying to patch holes, and it doesn't really matter at this point as far as between O'Brien and Belichick, um, any, any kind of personal things. Okay, so was it done? How, how likely is it that Bill Belichick is back? I wish I knew. I mean, we would have put that in the story. It would have had a different title and a lead. Like, take a, it would have been in there. Take a guess. Because, in, the words of, in the words of Mad Dog, take a guess. Well, here's the thing. I, w- I would put it in my personal opinion and, and guess. This is Andrew Callahan guessing, though, reporting behind this is, is less than 50. Like, I think it's more likely than not that Bill Belichick is gone after the season, mutual parting of the ways. Again, there are people on staff that I know who were making plans for next season back in October. One of them has already left. Like, whether or not Ross Douglas is planning or that, I don't know. But that says everything you need to. And here's, here's the thing I want to get across, because I go to those sources all across the building and just say, look, my job is to talk about you and get it right. And the best way for me to do this is to talk to you first and get your perspective. So set me straight. And that's where all this reporting comes from. Guys that wanted their truth heard about this, because I've been doing this for a little while now and talking to lots of people. So if they wanted their say, they contributed to this story, and that's how it came out. Not any speculation like I just made about Bill but real hard reporting on what people told me about what happened and, and why this all unraveled the way it did. Okay. He's Andrew Callahan uh, alongside Doug Kide in the Boston Herald. Check out the latest there. Uh, it is fascinating. Great detail on the dysfunction within the Patriots this year. Uh, check him out in the Herald. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Andrew Callahan. Andrew, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Andrew Callahan. Thank you, Andrew. He joins us on the Harbor One Hotline as all our guests. So, I look... I understand the, the separation there. Curran does that all the time. Hey, am I speculating? Am I reporting something? He puts it at less than 50-50, which still to me is way too high. <laughs> That's still way too high. But coaches are <laughs> looking out for themselves in October about the next destination because they're unsure. And we've heard reporting about that in the past. I'm trying to remember if it was Breer, Bedard, Giardi. I'm trying to remember. There's been a lot of reporting lately of who's had that out there. Maybe it was Callahan himself about coaches who were unsure about their own situation based on Bill. Uh, There's a lot of people there that don't know. But what makes the most sense, as Callahan just answered, what makes the most sense is he's not back. Based on this level of dysfunction, for the second year in a row, they brought him back and the dysfunction went up. That's a bit of a trend. Uh, 617-779-7937. More of your phone calls coming up. Uh, If you missed any of that interview with Andrew Callahan, you can check it out. Use the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app to listen to it in full. And you can listen live to Triple Play. It comes your way next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. 
Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's going to be a triple play! It's time for the triple play. Yes! Triple play! The top three burning questions of the day. And there's three! Jones and Mago. Triples is best. Triples is best. Got to have triples or the other stuff's not true. It is Thursday. That makes it a report card Thursday. So let's bust out our red pens and give out some grades. Number one. All right. Jones and Mago. Mago, you can start this one. I want you to grade the upcoming wide receiver free agent class. The Patriots have a lot of money to spend, and there's some wide receivers out there. Give it a grade. I'm going to say I think I'm going to be a little positive with this report card. So I just want to warn because it might get Jones a little worked up. Okay. I think this is a B plus. I think this is a B plus free agency class, depending on who actually. Well, who do you like? So T Higgins. Good I one. I still like Mike Evans. I know he's getting a little long in the Ma- tooth. Mike Evans had a fantastic a monster year. Fantastic yeah. season yeah, with Baker Mayfield. Extremely productive. Yeah. Calvin Ridley. Uh, and even look at somebody like Gabe Davis. Uh, Pittman, Pittman Jr. Yeah. There's 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 a handful of good names. It may be that I'm beholden to looking at last year's free agency class which was so bad that Jacoby Myers was the best free agent pretty much until DeAndre Hopkins shook loose but either way I like this class yeah I would put Evans at the top of it I'm with Arkan on this he is old he's over 30 which I know scares Mego away, uh, but I'll he's give it like, only thirty-one. Yeah, I'll give it like a B. Like uh, I don't Calvin know. Ridley's another. So one? I know she just said Ridley. I was just going to say this. I don't know. Oh, that, I can't imagine Pittman gets away from Indy. I can't imagine they let him go. They're going to pay him. And I would say the same thing about Ridley. That's and Ridley what I'm T. really, Higgins? really did not have a great year. Higgins, I think, is definitely gone. I think he'll definitely be available. And maybe there's a chance they franchise him, but they've paid Burrow. They got to pay Chase. Higgins did not have a great year. Most of it, I think, was injury related. Um, I would think Higgins is definitely gone. I think Evans is definitely gone. Uh, but even if those are the only two players in the class, whatever. I only need one or two. If somebody outbids me for one, I'll take the other. And I take either of those guys. I'll give it a B. I doubt Ridley or Pittman uh, are really available. Uh, if they are, great. Uh, some of the other names don't really jump out to me. Like, do you want Beckham? No. Beckham's had a couple of flash games this year. He's honestly been better than I thought. But that's not a great name by my estimation. You know, there's decent second-tier receivers that I like, but I don't care about them. So I'll give it a B. I I would love Mike Evans on this team. He was great with a very, very mediocre Baker Mayfield. 
Indeed he was. All right, let's get to our second grade. Number two. All right, the AFC playoff picture is uh, rounding into form right now. There's some teams that haven't clinched but are still uh, up for it, like Pittsburgh, Houston, the Colts, and the Bills. Uh, The Jaguars still alive. They haven't clinched anything. Grade the AFC playoff picture. Jones. Okay, D. Like, some of the teams that are going to sneak into the AFC playoff picture I don't really think are very impressive and or good teams. I'm so excited about it. What? What? The AFC playoff picture? So, let me explain. Uh, some of the teams... Uh, let them crap on I, it. I, well, I guess, yeah. Well, I just... I mean, you asked me first. So, I just... I assumed, I'm just surprised. Well, I assumed that we were talking about, like, the the actual teams to get in and some of the bottom-tier playoff teams. Like, I think when you advance to, I don't know, like, later in the AFC playoffs, I think it is top-heavy. But some of these teams that are fighting for a playoff spot... I'm not overly impressed. Like the, the Colts in- or the Steelers get what in. The this Texans? is what I'm saying. No, so the, te- the Texans I like. They can win their division. I like the Texans. I'm interested in Buffalo versus Miami. Buffalo could still technically miss the playoffs. I doubt they will. But like some of those bottom tier teams don't feel like great teams to me. Which is, a- which is again why it's so easy for the Patriots if they just hit on a quarterback to be in the playoff mix next year. A team like Indy or even Jacksonville and Houston. All those teams. Like those are not great teams. Pittsburgh. To I don't, Arkan's point. So I don't D. have any interest in Indy or the Steelers being there. But looking going from the very top, like you said, Ravens, Dolphins, both highly entertaining teams to watch. You can see if the Chiefs are going to melt down around Mahomes. The so Browns. Maybe, maybe are, I misinterpreted. I thought this was a question about this weekend and the, who gets in. This I is thought the whole it was playoffs? just the entire playoff picture. What well, are the, the playoffs going to look who's like? Who's going to be getting in and sort that's, of the teams at the bottom? That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, but even right the teams now. at the bottom. It's like, open to interpretation. The Jags are interesting. The Bills are they? could be a dumpster fire, which is fascinating to watch, or they could still get in. And the Texans, you have C.J. Stroud. I got to be honest, I'm more interested in the NFC. And I think the AFC is more top-heavy, but like I'm more interested in, in some of the teams on the NFC side and, and some of those spots. I give it an A-. minus. Wow. A-. I know. I told you I was going to be positive. That is. That is. I mean, I, I, already, gave my, took a Prozac, I already gave my positive grade. <laughs> you know what? I did take my Prozac today, and you all should be grateful. <laughs> Number three. All right, our third grade here, uh, and this is the first non-football thing we've said all day. Uh, we never got to this trade. It was a trade in the NBA between the Raptors and the Knicks, OG Ananobi and Precious Achuya going to New York for R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly grade the trade for both sides. Mego. Mogo. Um, this is where I get a little less positive. I give it a C. Like, Ananobi is a, is a nice defender, and I really like quickly, and he put up 26 points last night with the Raptors. Both teams are 2-0 and since the trade, I believe. The point is, I don't really care that much about either of these teams when I look at the Eastern Conference. The Knicks are uh, sixth, I mean, sorry, eighth in the conference. You know why Arkan's asking? 12. You know why he's asking? What? Are you playing like some fantasy basketball? No, he, or loves, he loves Jalen Brunson, so he's all worried about how this oh, shakes out for his guy, Jalen Brunson. I think this will be good for there. the Knicks. I was surprised. I have a couple of buddies who are Knicks fans. I texted them, and I'm like, didn't the Knicks give up a lot for I the Knicks got robbed? OG and Anobi? Yeah. And I can just tell you their logic. What the hell do they know? They're just my buddies. But they, their logic is. Ananobi's an upgrade on Barrett. They already chose he not. Is. They already chose, which I agree with. They already chose not to pay quickly. Maybe that's a mistake, but they already chose not to pay him last year. I think it's too year. bad that they lost quickly. And they have Brunson, so yeah. They don't so want to, yeah. Well, of course, it all comes back to Jalen. It Benson. always does. Like I don't know, some schmet trade. I'm with Mego C. But mostly, like I just don't think it's that relevant. Yeah, it's not changing the power dynamics in the Eastern Conference. Like the the Celtics so should not. They should not be worried about it's the. It's a smart now. trade, but I don't care. Oh, OG Ananobi. Like the one the one thing with the Knicks that I am interested in is. Do they have kind of some second-tier players around the ultimate superstar you know they're going to make a run at eventually? 
someday the Knicks will land a superstar. I have no idea how. Jalen Brown. I don't know who it is. Saying Julius Randle is not a superstar. Not Julius Randle, but like Brunson, Ananobi, probably not Randle. Those are some nice pieces around a star. Zion Williamson will look very funny in a Knicks uniform. I got to be honest, I could see it. I could see it. You could see that. Uh, 617. might be too dumb even for the Knicks. 617-779-7937. That's triple play. Let's go to Bob on the Cape. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I think Cleveland could be the big sleep on this, on this go-around. Beating the Browns. Yeah, yeah. With uh, with Joe Flacco, the way they've been playing the last, uh, last few games. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, look, their their defense is great. <laughs> they have good playmakers. I think. Cle- do you think Cleveland could go on a run in the AFC? No. I do. Why, why not? Yeah, why not? What suggests to you that they cannot? I don't think Joe Flacco they, is going to keep doing this. They wow, beat, hey, well, they Ray. beat Baltimore this year. I know. I don't think he's going to keep doing this. I think okay. Flacco is going to fall apart in the playoffs. I mean, look, I, I, I like what Cleveland's done. And if you want to point to building up a, a, a solid roster, you that team clearly doesn't have the quarterback winning on defense. Like, if you want to point to that, and that's the model you want, which is what Bill Belichick wants, that's a team to point to. <sighs> boring. No, I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think they're massively boring. And also, they did spend... Ass load of money on their quarterback. I no, mean, I they, no, know. no, I know, but they've won a game with four different quarterbacks this year, and they found Joe Flacco sitting on his couch, and now they're they're making the playoffs. Yes, this wasn't the plan. I guess is what no, I mean. Like, oh, the Patriots are planning it no, out. No, but way. but my point is their roster is so good. Their de- the yeah. depth of their roster is so good that they win games no matter who they trot out there, which is kind of Bill's philosophy. He just sucks at building out the rest of the roster. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. How should the Patriots handle Sunday's game? And I mean with Robert Kraft. And also the fans. Like, how do you handle Bill Belichick's potential last game? You don't know if it's his last game. Do you give him a big send-off? Like, does he get the standing ovation? Do the special teamers, as Arkan wants, carry him off the field after the game? Oh, and, boy. and furthermore, with that as the backdrop, should Kraft run downstairs and tell Bill to tank it to improve draft position? Let's get to that with all your phone calls next. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, 
plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.